And I got to the end of the meeting and whatever was going on in my brain was so overwhelming. I just remember looking at my team and just saying, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Something is very, very wrong with me. And I got off the phone and I tried to do email and I couldn't even read an email. And all of a sudden I got so full of fear and I just thought, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the capability of working again. I don't know if I have the capacity. And I called up my, my executive director and I told him what was going on. He said, you need to, to take some time off and maybe take some you know, short-term disability. And, and I got really fearful thinking, if I do that, I don't know if I'm, I'm ever going to be able to get back to work. I don't know if I'll ever work again. I don't know if I have enough disability to cover my family. And I was just so full of fear. And it went into this dark, dark season, the darkest season of my life. What I did when you're desperate, you'll just do anything for help. And so I went to a therapist for the first time in my life. Uh, I had never gone to therapy. For me, you know, I feel like I have a lot of community around me. I'm in a lot of mastermind groups. I have a lot of great friends. Uh, so I, I never thought I needed therapy until, until I did. And so I went to therapy and it was absolutely life-changing for me. It was the first time I had asked for help. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Strong by Design podcast show hosting today. Yours truly, Coach Chris Wilson, so honored to have you as a listener. Uh, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to Strong by Design. Uh, you're in for yet another fantastic, life-changing conversation. That's what we like to do here is talk about the important stuff and how we can help move the needle in your life so that you can live a life stronger by design. Um, and if, if you're a past listener of the show, then uh, welcome back. It's so great to have you um, it's just been another uh, terrific year of growth, and we're closing in. This is the final episode of 2022. This is the final episode. So what a great conversation to close on. Uh, a story uh, from a gentleman that I, I came to know in October who really moved me. Uh, I was in the audience. He was speaking from the stage, and what he had to say was really worth listening to. Very powerful. And so uh, it's a great conversation to end a terrific year on Strong by Design. So all of you, welcome. Great to have you. If you could, at the end of the conversation today, if you could think of one person that could benefit from the conversation today and share it with them. Uh, I take great pride. And uh, when I hear a good podcast or an audio book or something, I, I love to think of one person that would probably enjoy it or benefit from it. Uh, as much as I did, and uh, so that's what help our helps our show grow organically, and we have been doing a great job of that, especially this year in 2022. The show has seen tremendous growth and reach, and uh, we we just love it, and we're just going to get keep getting better. So thank you for that. So our amazing guest today, Mr. Doug Smith. Uh, he is a busy guy. <laughs> Not only is he a father uh, and a husband of uh, three children, um, he, uh, and I think I got that right, right, Doug? Well, hey, we, we have one on the way. We are, uh, we're expecting Oh, that's right. Flight. That's what it is. Any you have day. one on the way. Yeah, that's, I, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, so, three doesn't sound right because I felt, felt like the family was getting bigger. Uh, so that's great. Uh, he is the Director of Development at Light of Life Rescue Mission. It's a non-for-profit organization that brings hope and healing for men, women, and families experiencing homelessness, poverty, 
and addiction. He's also the founder of L3 Leadership, a, a leadership development organization that connects and develops leaders through podcasts, coaching, training, and the L3 One Day Leadership Conference. He also has an L3 Leadership Podcast. And of course, once I heard that, when you meet a fellow podcaster, you immediately want them as a guest because you know right away they have a lot to say and they're probably good at saying it. So it's a very attractive uh, thing. And he's had some tremendous guests on his show. And uh, I'm making his podcast one of my go-to podcasts to listen to now. So now I have to add to my already busy list of podcasts uh, that I'm listening to. So, uh, Doug, thank you so much for making the time today to be on Strong by Design. You had a a real um, powerful message that you shared from the stage about overcoming some difficulties and challenges in your own life and and obviously what what you where you've landed today where you're at today and how you're able to help so many people in such a big way but um, first welcome to the show but I would love to just dive right into kind of that part of your life so that we can really connect with our audience yeah, well, Chris, I'm, I'm honored to be here. It was great meeting you at the conference and loved getting to know you and your, your team. And I also love fellow podcasters as well. Um, and I subscribed to you guys at the conference. So it's been great following your podcast as well. And congrats on the, the growing listenership as well. And I'm honored to be the last episode of 2022. Yes. Um, I mean, talk, so about, awesome. talk about going out with a bang, you know? So this Ooh, let's good. go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we, but, I, I, I want to touch on one thing. We both were sure. honored with listening to Horse Shoals and both mm-hmm. immediately jumped on the opportunity to have him as guests on our mutual podcasts. And how, um, how awesome was that experience to sit with him and then also get one-on-one time in a podcast with him? Yeah, that was one of the, hi- that was one of the highlights of my year for sure, having two-and-a-half-hour yeah. breakfast with you guys in Horse and just asking him questions. He was brilliant and uh, – yeah. His, yeah, he's just a brilliant leader. So, yeah, he is. yeah well, to, to back to your initial question. So, yes. yeah, what I was speaking at, at the conference was, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a very busy leader, have a lot going on, and uh, I go really, really hard, yes. um, which is good <laughs> until it's not. And in the fall of 2020, um, I remember that it was I was about to go on vacation with my family, and it was right around when everything with COVID was happening. And right before I left for vacation, I had a, a massive anxiety attack. And I had, I had anxiety attacks in the past. I had some seasons of anxiety, uh, got through the attack, went on vacation, had a great vacation, two weeks of relaxation, came back. And the Monday evening after vacation, uh, I was on the phone with my brother and I just randomly learned that I had a cousin who I wasn't even close with. Uh, I learned that she passed away from COVID. And for whatever reason, as soon as I heard that news, I went into another anxiety attack. And unfortunately, that anxiety attack led to an anxiety attack every single night that week, led into a season of anxiety attacks for a month. And fast forward to to October of that year, my anxiety of of anxiousness in my chest, feeling like I'm going to die, my heart wanting to explode, went from my chest to my head. And I I don't know how else to explain it. I heard a leader say like this once. He said, uh, his psychiatrist told him that once, when your your body uh, runs on serotonin, and once you start running through serotonin, your body will start to run on anxiety. And if you continue to run through anxiety, your body will start to have an emotional breakdown. And if you keep running when you're having an emotional breakdown, uh, you'll eventually have a mental breakdown. 
And I think I got pretty far down that road. I ended up, uh, I remember I was leading a meeting at work one day and I got to the end of the meeting and whatever was going on in my brain was so overwhelming. I just remember looking at my team and just saying, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Something is very, very wrong with me. And I got off the phone and I tried to do email and I couldn't even read an email. And all of a sudden I got so full of fear and I just thought, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the capability of working again. I don't know if I have the capacity and I called up my, my executive director and I told him what was going on. He said, you need to, to take some time off and maybe take some you know, short-term disability. And, and I got really fearful thinking, if I do that, I don't know if I'm, I'm ever going to be able to get back to work. I don't know if I'll ever work again. I don't know if I have enough disability to cover my family. And I was just so full of fear. And it went into this dark, dark season, the darkest season of my life. And at that point, I was absolutely desperate to do anything I could to get out of that. And so that was the beginning of my talk. And I'm happy to go into the rest of that yeah. journey and some of the lessons that I learned along the way. Yeah. Um, but uh, as I share that, I hear so many leaders say, I feel like I'm right on the verge of that, or I'm in the middle of that now. And so what I did when you're desperate, you'll just do anything for help. And so I went to a therapist for the first time in my life. Uh, I had never gone to therapy. For me, you know, I feel like I have a lot of community around me. I'm in a lot of mastermind groups. I have a lot of great friends. Uh, so I, I never thought I needed therapy until, until I did. And so I went to therapy and it was absolutely life-changing for me. It was the first time I had asked for help. And what I didn't realize was, let me just rewind my life just a little bit to give you context for how I ended up there. If you were to rewind my life nine months prior to me having those attacks, uh, I have a younger sister and she was a heroin addict for 15 years. And unfortunately, I lost my, my sister to an overdose in December of 2019. And when I lost my sister, I remember getting the phone call uh, from my dad one night and, and he said, Doug, Sarah's gone. The police just left the house. And, and I, man, I just started bawling and I immediately drove over to my dad's house. I cried maybe for five minutes. I got to my dad's house. My dad's uh, was a mess, as you can imagine. And so I took care of my dad. And what did I do? I, I went right into leader mode. I rescued my dad. I stayed at his house for several days. I helped plan my sister's funeral. I put together a message. I put together fundraisers. She has two sons. So I had to raise lots of money for them to help secure their future. Mm -hmm. And as my boss told me, he said, you basically went back to work. Yep. And I learned through therapy. I never took time to grieve or process anything. And as I started working with my therapist, he had me do what he called a trauma assessment. And we started evaluating my life of, of every five-year segment from zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 15, just look for trauma in my life. And what I realized was I had a lot more trauma in my life than I had thought. And uh, I can share my whole story later if you want to, but uh, I had lost my mom when I was a teenager. I was 17 years old. That was obviously extremely traumatic. I've lost both of my grandparents. I lost my sister. I lost my mother-in-law at a young age. So my life was just filled with all of this grief. Yeah. And my therapist said, Doug, I know you think you've grieved and, and moved past some of these things, but you can't say goodbye to something that you've never said hello to. And he said, I, I think you need to start diving into some of these deeper root issues in your life. And so I, I started grieving for the first time. And if someone's listening to this, if, if you've ever lost someone or it, it doesn't even have to be a person, it could be a job, it could be anything. If you have lost in your life, uh, really evaluate, have you taken time to, to grieve? Because I thought I had, but I didn't. And my therapist said, Doug, you need, what his encouragement was to me was to go to the grave sites of everyone that I lost yeah. and actually write them letters. 
And I was that guy that, you know, I, I never wanted to visit a gravesite. They're not there. What's the point? Right. But I went to the gravesite and I remember writing my sister a, a letter and I just remember just God showing up in my life and I just started bawling like a baby. And I, I let out all of this grief and anxiety that was in me that I had no idea that I was holding on to. Mm-hmm. And it was so, so freeing. And that was really the beginning. And again, I can go into other things that I've learned. That was yeah. the beginning of my healing journey. No, um, through that process, th- that that particular when you talked about that, I think that's what really got more than anything for me. That got my attention is mm. the ability to to grieve and 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 for that to be a good thing and a necessary yeah. thing and not something to take lightly, not something to skip over, not something to re- reflect on or think about or you know. You have to when you process. You know we have a lot of we had a lot of similarities too. You know, I, both of us have lost people in our lives at relatively young ages that were extremely important in our lives. Uh, I lost my my dad, my mom, my brother, all to, uh, young. I mean, I, I'm 46 years old, and it's been six years since I lost my mom to cancer. It's been nine years since I lost my brother to brain cancer. It's been. 17 years since I lost my father to alcoholism, smoking, and depression. And, and if you're not processing those losses and grieving those losses the right way, they're going to stick inside of you and rot and fester inside of you, right? And it's going to come out yeah. in these other ways that were this anxiety that was like killing you and it was a it was a kind of a slow growing or it was almost like a tumor growing right inside of you and it got yeah. to, the, to that that bur- bursting point where that it was uh you could not function with it any longer and what i found really interesting is be- the type of person that you are you seem like you're you're very much a and uh, you you seem like you're everybody's friend you know like you're you're an extrovert you know, it seems like you like to have conversation. You have lots of friends and family and stuff. But even that, as a, as your personality, even that doesn't necessarily promote the healing that you need. You know, I'm sure in some level you were communicating your thoughts and feelings a little bit, but not until you saw some type of professional treatment was it. Yeah. Did you allow yourself to grieve the, the right way? Yeah, and Chris, just on, on that note, let me just say this. You know, you mentioned I'm an extrovert. Uh, if anyone's out there has taken the Strength Finders assessment, I'm a woo, which is winning others over. Right. Uh, you know, when I go somewhere, I want to meet everyone, just like I did with you guys. I yes. want to meet, I want to connect, yes. I want to stay friends. But one thing, and again, another thing that I learned in that process was I was desperate. And, you know, you don't realize who you actually depend on until you're in a situation where you're in need. And so I started reaching out to some of my, my what I consider my closest and best friends. And I literally just said, can you please, can we, can we go on a walk? Can I just meet with you? And all I wanted them to do was tell me that it was going to be okay because I really didn't know if it was. Yeah. And it was so interesting. As many friends, like I could say I have, you know, thousands of friends or thousands of acquaintances, but every one of those close people that I've called that I've literally have known for 15 or 20 years, every single situation, again, we were not together, but in, individually, one-on-one, they all said the exact same thing to me, almost as if it was planned. And they all said, Doug, uh, you've been neglecting deep friendships for a long time. Wow. You've been neglecting deep friendships for a long time. And it never really hit me that. Yeah, I have thousands of relationships, but 
who are the people that I am, I am doing life with in a deep way on a consistent basis that don't know me for what I'm doing in leadership, that don't know me for what I'm doing at the rescue mission, or, or really don't care about anything that I do, but they just love me for who I am. And uh, if you have a few of those friends, you're extremely blessed. But I just want to tell you that it was a huge eye-opener to me that I was neglecting those friendships. And I've really made it a goal that, that I'll never do that again. Those are the people, as many new people that want to connect with me, that's great. But I can't, I can't keep quit investing in those deeper relationships that I need to draw on on tough times. And hopefully that they can draw on me as well. Yeah. What seems um, pretty unbelievable, too, is this is a very – this is recent – this is just in the last couple of years that you had this kind of this awful experience, but then this breakthrough moment at the same time. I mean, this is only just in the last couple of years. And and so what does that what does that life look like lived in the last couple of years in terms of, yes, you sought professional help and someone to speak with and get and grieve properly and 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 do this but what are you doing now what have you put in place now in your life uh to not let anything like that happen again that's preventative and that keeps you on the road of recovery yeah another thing that was really eye-opening so again i i identified in our talk you know three or four things that really led to this yeah and i remember i reached out to one of my mentors who's like a father figure to me and in my background, just to give you context, I was a, a drug dealer in high school, uh, graduated high school with a very low GPA, never thought I'd go to college or amount to anything. And uh, basically watched my mom. She had a leg disease that no one knew how to treat. And so I mentioned I lost my mom, but I slowly basically watched my mom die throughout my teenager years. Yeah. And uh, as I was meeting with his mentor, uh, well, and uh, just for context, after my mom died, uh, again, I'm a person of faith and I don't have time to share the story, but when my mom passed away, uh, God came into my life in a really, really special way. And that's what really turned my life around. And, and it was beautiful. And I started living for God and my life just started going in the total opposite direction and, and really is why I am where I am today. But when I was meeting with my pastor and I was having this mental breakdown, he said, Doug, um, in your teenage years, you basically watch your mom pass, you know, and die over the course of seven or eight years. And you basically medicated that pain through drugs. Then he said, you gave your heart to Christ and you became a believer, which is wonderful. But he goes, you basically just started medicating your pain through performance. And I never, that was a huge revelation to me that, you know, from 17 to 35 years old, I had basically been medicating all of the pain, all of the trauma that we already talked about with performance and trying to prove to the world that I was enough. Yeah. And one of the things that was so causing so much stress and anxiety leading up to my breakdown was the expectations, unrealistic, let me tell you, unrealistic expectations I had of myself internally when it came to performance. In every area of my life, the expectations I had were ridiculous. And I'm not exaggerating. For leadership, for me, if I didn't have the influence or impact that John Maxwell was having in the leadership space, I, I felt like I'm not a leader and I'm not contributing right. to the world. If I don't have the financial world of Dave Ramsey, if I'm not a multimillionaire and financially independent by the time I'm 40, then I'm, I'm nothing. If I don't look like the rock physically, then I'm out of shape. And, and literally, that was the standard I would hold myself to. And I remember the summer before this happened, I was waking up with cold sweats in the middle of the night, uh, literally with the, the expectations that I was putting myself at work in all of these different areas. 
And when he said that, it all hit me. It's like, I'm just doing this to ultimately just prove that I'm enough and cover up the pain that I've never dealt with. Mm-hmm. And so I started evaluating that. And, and for me, I've just had to let go of those, those expectations. When I was meeting with my therapist and I brought that up to him, he said, um, Doug, I was actually asking him about capacity. Because I said, you know, I, am I ever going to be able to work again? I can go hard. I feel like I can accomplish a lot. Am I never going to be able to do that again? And he said, Doug, let me tell you something about capacity. He said, usually when I deal with people around capacity, it's not a capacity issue. There's people that can sleep four hours a night and, you know, continue to go hard into their 70s and 80s. It's usually unrealistic expectations of yourself internally. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And so I've really, on the aftermath of this, this mental breakdown, uh, one, I've had to process grief. Two, I've had to invest in deep friendships. But three, I've really had to let go of the unrealistic expectations I have of myself. And what I found was those expectations were really driven out of just me not believing that I was enough as a human being, which I think is a huge need in, in all of us. Yes. And so uh, one of the, you know, my therapist, one of the exercises he had me do that was so helpful was he had me draw a T diagram on a notebook. And on the left side, he said, I want you to start filling that out with all the evidence that you have that you are enough. And so I started writing some generic things like I'm a, I'm a child of God or, you know, my wife loves me. And he goes, no, I want you to be real specific and just started listing out things in your life that prove that you're enough. And long story short, I ended up filling out like a page and a half of evidence that I'm enough. And he said, okay, on the other column, on the other side of the page, I want you to, to list out all of the reasons that you're not enough, all the evidence that you have. And I wrote down a few things. And to be honest with you, it was just a few things that leaders had spoken over to me, spoken over my life that were negative in my past. That was the evidence that I had. And they were really just stories that I made up in my head. Yeah. And what I realized through that exercise was I have very little, little evidence that I'm not enough. And so I've been really striving over the past two years to just live out of this, of this foundation in my heart and soul that I am enough. I have nothing to prove. And man, God, I'm just going to really open up to what do you have for me? And if you put me in a seat of leadership, I'm going to trust you to help me lead and execute. I'm not going to put the pressure on myself. And that's been so, so freeing on the other side of this. So freeing myself up of, of unrealistic expectations. And the other thing I would just say that was crucial was implementing rhythms of rest in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, we were just talking on this before you're like, hey, man, I got an energy drink. I got coffee. I'm wired. I'm fired up. Like I was... I was unhealthily addicted to coffee. Uh, I was going at an unhealthy pace. And so I started just reading about rest. And there's some great books out there. If you want some recommendations for your listeners, uh, John Mark Comer wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yes. Phenomenal book. Um, Robert Morris wrote a book called Take a Day Off. And I started learning about rhythms of rest. And one thing that I implemented out of that is I do um, take a weekly Sabbath with my family. And that means one day a week, I don't do anything related to work. I just have fun. I rest. I play. And that has been so huge in my life, just taking that time and just unplugging from work. And you know what? I found out that I'm actually more productive taking a day off. It's kind of the Chick-fil-A model. Like God set that up, right? He said to have a Sabbath. It seems like he knows what he was doing. So setting up, and I can go deeper into that if you want to, but setting up rhythms of rest in my life has been huge. No, it's it's terrific. Yeah, you, you obviously you've just said uh, quite a bit. Uh, geez, r- rhythms of rest that could be a whole another hour long <laughs> podcast. Uh, it, it it is so crucial. It's 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 the unplugging from 
the, the grind, the day-to-day, the things that occupy us uh, at, at work, in our professional lives, and to be able to focus on uh, ourselves a little bit more and our family and our relationships and our bonding and all the things that you know our spouse needs from us and our children need from us, which is just time and attention. And they're not going to get that if we are knee deep uh, in in work on the computer while we're at home. And uh, I, I can't say that I get uh, always get high marks in that department either. Um, uh, but it, it is so you have to be strategic and and you can plan these things out and, and schedule them out. And um, and then it's just following through and creating um, kind of like you said, you have. You have, and it's probably ends up being what Sunday is it Sunday every weekend that kind of is your yeah. that's your 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 worship and 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 family day. And yeah, uh, for me, yeah, I, I shared it at the conference, but it's something that impacted me deeply that now I actually execute on is Rick Warren. Yeah. I heard him speak at a conference in two thousand eight, and he said, as a leader, you need to do three things to to rest in your life. Uh, you need to divert daily, withdraw weekly, yeah. and abandon annually. Yeah. Uh, I'll say it again, divert daily. What did he mean by that? He said every day, if you work with your mind every day, which I do, he said at night you have to do something physical with your hands just to, to unplug completely. So for me, what that looks like divert daily now is, as you mentioned, I have three kids, one on the way. Like when I get home from work, I try to get home every night so we can have dinner as a family. That's really, really important to me, that social interaction. And recently, I've just been trying to wrestle my kids every night after dinner and just spend that time wrestling, getting physical, and just spending time having fun, reading books, playing games and totally unplugging from work. So every day I'm doing something to divert um, my the stress that I put on myself mentally. And once the kids go to bed, if I have more to do, then I focus on it then. But that break is huge. And then he said we need to withdraw weekly, which is what we just talked about. It's taking a Sabbath. And for me, it's, it's usually Sundays. And uh, we try to do everything we need to do on Saturday to make sure we can take a day of rest, which is huge. And then he said you need to abandon annually which is just take a vacation, which everyone's probably saying, duh. But what I really found is for, for us, at least Laura and I, we need to have at least two-week vacations or one two-week vacation a year. Because for me, it takes me just a week to unplug from the whole world to actually feel like I'm resting, uh, to actually take a break. And so we found this cadence of if you have the opportunity and you can take a two-week vacation, you'd be surprised what that will do for your rest and, re- uh, your rest and relaxation and your, your soul. So yeah. those are the three things I'd encourage on a practical level to do. Yes, without a question. Uh, we all need it and we can fool ourselves for, uh, I guess, a certain amount of time that we, we can get by without it. But um, life is just better when it when you're um, purposeful and and uh, and 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 make that time um, in your life for your and it's just it's, it's appreciation that you get back from uh, from the people that you're spending that time with uh, they they feel like they matter uh, and you're making memories which is ultimately yes. isn't that why we're <laughs> why we're here we're 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 here for uh, I would say for for each other, uh, we're here to experience each other. We're here not for material things. We're here for experiences and memories and 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 development and growth and all of these things. And um, and who are the most important people in our life? Gen- generally, that's going to be your family uh, and your closest friends, neighbors, coworkers. And so, uh, go out of your way for those people. And when you do take that rest right you're just better when you come back you're just better for those people when you are you know like um i've always said with 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 children they're better 
after recess, right? They're, they're better. Like I always felt like give kids more recess time at school because they're going to be better and more focused when you give them that diversion, when you give them that yeah. opportunity to let out some of that, that steam, they're going to be able to focus their time and, and, and energy and attention better uh, when you are um, you know, trying to get the best out of them. So uh, tell us a bit more. At this point, obviously, it seems like you're in a really good rhythm with things, with three children, one on the way, with your spouse, t- taking your weekly, taking your um, – uh, your moments where you can get them, and, and it seems like it's been. And it, obviously, you're speaking now because I mean, this is where I saw you. I saw you. I, I told you I was. I had to plug for a faith leader summit, right? For our yes, for our friends. Great the Higgins. conference. Yeah, it's a great conference. It's the second annual one this past year in October. It's down here in Orlando. Uh, it's it's put on by Matt Higgins, uh, and uh, it did a, an exceptional job. He has great speakers. It's it's, uh, it's great leaders, really, uh, from all walks of life who come and, and share uh, all of their insights and, and experiences and how to uh, – for culture and for leadership, right, and for and just having a healthy organization. And, um, and it was great having you there. Now, how often are you able to travel and to speak uh, in, in settings like this? Yeah, as, as, as often as my wife and I. So my wife and I are both extremely busy, as you mentioned. My wife is also, uh, she oversees sales for, for her company in, the, in North America. And so she travels a lot. So it really comes down to a lot of family planning and just prioritizing. So again, family is a huge priority to us. So as opportunities come our way, uh, the way we filter those uh, opportunities are really, we have weekly family team meetings. And so we just review our calendars and when opportunities come up, we say, hey, yeah. Here's an opportunity for me to speak in Florida or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, should we do it? Why should we do it? Can we make a family trip out of it? So yeah. it's just really intentionality. And, and again, it's like, should I say, yeah, my, my nature is to say yes to everything. Mm. Um, but I really learned uh, when I was going again through that thing, another thing that was uh, through the breakdown, another thing that was super helpful was that mentor that I met with. He said, um, Doug, I think you're going to have to spend a lot of time pruning things in your life because you, you're doing too much. And what your body is telling you is that the way that you're living is not sustainably, sustainable. Yeah. He said, your body is trying to save your life. Yeah. He said, the hard part for you is that everything you do is noble. He said, you know, you work at a rescue mission serving the homeless. That's noble. You have a leadership organization adding value to leaders and you have a family like all of those are really good things. And so you really are going to have to be intentional with saying no. And so I've had to surround myself with people like my wife who can help me say no because I am not great at it. I'm getting better. But um, that's been really important. And and he basically just said, you're always going to have to ask yourself as a leader, what does healthy look like in this season? Yeah. Such a good question. What does healthy look like in this season? And that looks different. There's going to be times where I can travel and do a lot. Of course. There's going to be other seasons where, hey, I need to stay home and just be a dad. Like, that's, that's right. what I need to do right now. So that's been a, a big learning curve over the yeah. last two years. Uh, it's great advice. It's great advice. And, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, sometimes saying no is the best answer. And mm-hmm. um, and you got to be you know, particular with, with and reserve your yeses for things that um, – don't come at too high high of a cost. Um, so yeah. So and when you were down here, you did turn it into a little bit of vacation with some of your family, uh, and you went to Disney World, if I if if I remember correctly. 
Yeah, that was a beautiful thing. So, uh, so I mentioned my sister passed away, and she had two sons uh, yes. who are eleven and five, or eleven and six now. And uh, my dad loves Disney. We went to Disney once. We only went on one vacation growing up, and it was in Disney World when I was seven. And my dad has this like love for it, and so. Uh, I mentioned to my dad, hey, why don't you come down and we can go to Disney and bring the boys. And yeah. it ended up being, you were talking about memories early, earlier. It was an unforgettable memory. And I'm so grateful. I told Matt the other day, I was talking to him, the, the, the conference leader. And I just said, thank you so much for creating unforgettable memories for me and my family. Uh, it was just life changing. And that's hopefully a trip they'll never forget. I know I certainly won't. Yeah, no, without question. Not at those ages. They'll remember that that trip for the rest of their life. And that, it, it's, a, it's a great thing that you as their uncle can be in their life and part of their life and, and really kind of carry the torch for your sister and, and be the leader that they need and the presence uh, and this, another strong man and f- figure in their life. So that's amen to that, 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 that you've stepped into that role. Uh, that, so that's just fantastic. Um, so tell us more, please, about uh, Light of Life Rescue Mission. I've been following you now since I met you on Instagram and stuff, and I'm seeing you, especially this time of year, with all the giving and all of the, uh, all of the things that you guys are doing to help these people. Can you, can you give us a, a little overview of, of all the amazing things that you're doing there? Yeah, so so I work at Light of Life Rescue Mission here in Pittsburgh. Usually in every city, there's a rescue mission. We're not all connected as far as legally, but um, I'm sure if you're listening to this in any city, there's something similar. Yes. Um, but we've been doing serving the homeless for 70 years, and we do that through uh, what we call our continuum of care. So no matter where someone is in their journey of experiencing homelessness, we want to have a next step for them. And so that starts with our street outreach team, where we have a team literally go out to the street homeless daily just to build relationships with them in hopes that uh, eventually, and it may take six months or a year or longer sometimes, they'll they'll come in for a meal or a night of shelter and maybe get into some of our longer term programs um, so they can get back on their feet again. We have a meal ministry where we serve 250 to 300 meals a day. Uh, We have a food pantry that provides hundreds of thousands of meals uh, every year, we have an overnight shelter with the capacity for up to 75 beds for men, women, and children. And then we have long-term programming uh, for up to 80 men and women, and then additional uh, in their children, additionally, uh, that can live with us anywhere from nine months to two years. And we help them with recovery, which is a big part of their journey, usually. Uh, we help them get educated. We help them get employed. Uh, we help them find housing and hopefully, you know, get uh, fully independent again. And so it's been a great joy working there. And just, to, you know, to tie it in uh, with what we're talking about, when I first started working at Light of Life, I didn't know a lot about homelessness. Uh, and so I actually was just working there to get paid until I was actually helping plant a church. I was hoping the church plant would be able to pay me. But about a year into my time at Light of Life, I really felt like I was supposed to be there and stay with the organization. And so that's when I got into fundraising. But around that time, uh, my sister, who was still alive at the time, she came to me. She was five months pregnant with my first nephew, and she just started crying. And she said, Doug, I need help. And I said, well, what do you mean you need help? And she said, I'm a heroin addict. And uh, I had heard rumors, but I never caught her or anything like that. And, and this was the first time, and I had no idea what to do. I had done drugs, but I never got into heroin. And so I reached out to our director at Light of Life uh, for uh, programs, and I said, can you help me and my family? And for nine years, uh, our organization walked me, my family, and my sister through my sister's addiction. 
my sister ended up homeless twice in that nine year period um, with nowhere to go. She ended up in our programs three different times. And the last time she was actually clean for 17 months. Uh, she dedicated her life to Christ, which was an amazing thing. And I felt like it was the first time I had my sister back. Yeah. Um, but, but if any of you know anyone struggling with addiction, it is, it is an incredibly tough battle. And unfortunately, she obviously made some decisions and relapsed, and that's how we, we lost her. But I always share that when I'm sharing about Light of Life, because if you would have told me prior to me working there that I would know someone, uh, that it would be in need of a homeless shelter, let alone a family member, I would have never believed you. Mm-hmm. But what I've come to learn, and through my sister's story, certainly, but also through getting to know the men and women that we serve, is that we're all one or two decisions away from being in the exact same place these men and women are at. And I tell people, you're actually, if you had to go through a fraction of what some of these men and women have had to go through, we've been talking about trauma, yeah. you'd be lucky to be in the place that they're in. And, and that's just a reality. And, and the reality is everyone who walks through our doors is somebody's son. Yep. somebody's daughter, somebody's brother, somebody's sister, somebody's mother, father. Yeah. And that's really the heart we want everyone to have towards yeah. those who are experiencing homelessness. It's a complex issue and, and it's messy work. You know, you're, you were talking about all the good work that we do and we certainly do. Like we have so much to celebrate. We could tell you story after story about men and women who have transformed their lives and are back on their feet again. But we also have stories that unfortunately end like my sister's. Yeah. Um, but that's why for us being a faith-based organization is so important because as a believer, I believe my sister's in my future now, not just in my past, yeah. because of the work of Light of Life. And really, that's the message I try to convey when talking about what we do there, is just uh, this is all of our problem. We're all our brothers and sisters keeper, and we need to love everyone that comes across our path, no matter that's, what they're going through. That's right. No, it's, 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 it's just absolutely necessary work. We need people like you, people who are service-oriented and have big hearts and see people for who they are, human beings that just need help. And um, if you can help just one person turn that corner and fix their life, uh, it's worth it, right? Um, And you said something there that I I just wanted to attach myself to because it's something that I tried to start doing uh, a while back is when you see somebody in need, if you're driving past them at an intersection or whatever, Envision that person as a child because we all, we all were kids at one point and, and just see them as, as a young, as a, maybe a 10 year old boy or right. Or an eight year old girl. And they were little kids just like we were with dreams and, and with probably people that love them very much. And who knows what, what happened in their life that derailed them or set them off on this, on this path. But I, I try to always put myself in a better mindset when I see people in these situations that in terms of like have a heart for them, have a heart for them. Um, my, my, my boss and, and very close friend, Mike Westerdahl, uh, you know, obviously we've done stuff with Hope Children's Home for, for years and years and years. And he's done stuff through his church. And they started doing something a while back where he created these little, um, these little giving bags so they would pack these, and he started doing this with his own kids, where they would create this uh, little little bag of needs, and they would have a bunch of them in in their car. So it's that when they drove around, they would have these little like um, Ziploc bags, or you know, that had like deodorant, uh, toothpaste, socks, a bar, uh, like a protein bar, bottle of water, and like ten or twelve different like need need items, items that would make somebody who who was without feel good 
And then when they would come across someone, a homeless person or something, they would hand these out to them. And, and, and there would be great appreciation from, you know, because I think these people are oftentimes just kind of given money and who knows how yeah. that money is used. But if you give somebody the necessities of life, you, you hope that, okay, well, at least maybe tonight, maybe tonight will be a better night for them. You know, maybe today will be a better day for them, and who knows? Maybe that's all it takes for them to get on the right course again. So I just want to kind of highlight that for a second because that's what we're here for. The people that, in the land of abundance like we are here in the United States, when you see someone without, you should go out of your way to to do something for them uh, if you can because we're so fortunate, aren't we? Um, yeah. So that, that's great what you're doing. God bless that work. Uh, it's fantastic. Tell us more, Doug, about uh, what what got you, what compelled you uh, to start uh, your the podcast? Uh, like, when did you get into? Obviously, you've had it now for years and years. You have like right. what, you have more episodes than we have. You have like 350 episodes or something. So tell us how you got into into that uh, podcast world. Yeah, so so for me, I, you know, I mentioned already that really in high school, never thought I was going to amount to anything. Uh, my mom died. And when my mom died, I had mentors come into my life when I started following God. And one mentor was Larry Betancourt. He'll forever be my hero. And one of the first pe- person, people in my life to tell me that I was a leader and had potential. And he gave me a John Maxwell CD. Uh, they were still on CDs before podcasts. And I'll never forget it. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was called Standing Tall. And and I didn't know there was such a thing as personal development, like knew nothing. So he gives me the CD and I remember going home and I listened to it and I was blown away. And I I literally transcribed the whole lesson word for word. And I called him and I felt like I was Neo in the Matrix. And I'm like, hey, man, (laughs) give me me everything you got. And he literally gave me binders full of John Maxwell content. And literally, I'm, you know, 20 years old. I'm having parties at my house and I'm listening two or three hours a night to John Maxwell. My friends are getting high on my front porch. Wow. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, so I did that, got really into personal development. And then Larry, that same leader, would bring in leaders like yourself, Chris, and he'd bring them in to speak to us. And he would say, hey, if you connected with Chris today, you should ask Chris to, to coffee and see if he would mentor you. And he gave us this whole process for, hey, come with a list of questions, follow up with a thank you note, implement what was said. If you want to meet with him again, ask for a beautiful process. Yeah. And so I started doing that for about 10 years. And every month I'd have learning lunches and it was awesome. And I had lots of mentors in my life. And all of a sudden my peers started saying, wow, Doug, like you got to spend time with Chris. I wish I could. And I just thought, well, like, have you ever asked? (laughs) Most people have never asked, which blows my mind. So if you're listening to this, here's a thought, like, just ask whatever you want, ask for it. So I basically just saw it as an opportunity. It was 2012. And I just started thinking, what if I just started recording my conversations with leaders? So I like to say I was podcasting before it was cool. My wife bought me a $50 recorder, literally just like a piece of junk recorder. And I remember my first guest was someone that I knew was my father-in-law. I just started with the relationships Mm -hmm. that I had interviewed him and you know here we are 10 years later 350 plus episodes in and i've been blown away as i'm sure you would you know just about the the quality of people that i've been able to connect with the things i've been able to learn and uh just how much it's helped me grow it's just been amazing yeah that that that's one thing that i think gets missed maybe by some people certainly not by podcasters is the the growth for us as hosts as podcasters it's like not only we it's it's kind of like i i don't know it's 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 a conversation that probably would not happen 
if not for the platform of the podcast, right? It's not, yeah. probably not going to have an hour long conversation with this person if, if it's not recorded, right. And able to be, but, but I, I do have that opportunity and it will be shared with hundreds, if not thousands of people, right. Who will hear it on the other side. But I, I get all the takeaways too. It's not yeah. just for the listeners. It's like, I get all this growth and insight and wisdom. And eventually if you're around it enough, Right. You 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 become who you surround yourself with eventually. Right. Yeah. It's the, the, the old adage, you, you, you're the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with, that kind of thing. But those influences come not just from the people you're in the room with. It comes from everything, from what we're watching to what we're listening to. Right. To to, to the environments that we're putting ourselves in. And if you're listening to good audiobooks and really good podcasts and people like the John Maxwell's of the world, or the Craig Groeschel's of the world. Right. And, yeah. and you're attending things like Global Leadership Summit or Faith, uh, Florida Faith Leaders Summit, and you're, and you're doing that enough, good things are going to happen, right? You're, you're, you're really investing in, in your network. And, I mean, look what it's obviously done for you, the connections that, it, that, that it's uh, created for you. And, um, and it's, even if you have the rough patches, as you've discussed, obviously, very openly, um, I feel like navigating through that and overcoming that is is I mean look where you are now. I don't think if you had that foundation that you had created for yourself, you would have rebounded as no well as you have, right? I wouldn't have, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. You were able to you were able to really tap into all of this wisdom and all of these great uh learning opportunities that you had already had prior to that you just you hit a wall you maxed out which i think a lot of people can connect with i think there's a lot of people that maybe don't know how to manage those emotions and and say yes too many times and are living at the you know they're they're hanging on by a thread so to speak and they got kids and a wife and a job and and all of these pressures of life and they don't have good ways of of handling it but you just happen to have all these bottled up grief how funny i have the the bottleneck t-shirt on right now and it was you were bottling up all of these these old emotions that you weren't allowing i one last thing i, I sure. which i i also found and you, you you mentioned it but we didn't really talk much about it for your healing process to be as as, as powerful as it was and as life-changing as it was you went to the grave sites and you read these letters to people that passed away. Is that correct? Yeah, I wrote my, yeah, my therapist said, Doug, you can't say goodbye to something you've never said hello to. He was talking about grief. And he said, I just want you to go and and take out a journal at each gravesite and write a letter to the person who passed away. And so I did that. I went to my sisters, my moms, my mother-in-law and my grandparents and just wrote them letters. And I still have them to this day. And and I just bawled like a baby to be completely honest with you. And uh, it was the first time I feel like I actually said hello to grief in my life. Yeah. Geez, I mean, if there's one big takeaway from what we've talked about, I would say it's that. I, I have a I have a journal right here next to me. It's it's I have, I have my stack of daily devotion, <laughs> devotional, uh, my my Bible with two devotionals, but I also have a journal that I've written in. It's several hundred pages, and but I don't write in it daily. 
but I go through, I go, I do it in spurts. I've had moments in my life where I'm diligent, like on a daily basis for several months and then several weeks or months will go by and I'm kind of not journaling and then I'll get back into it. But I find it very healing and very, uh, uh, very helpful to put your thoughts down on paper sometimes and then read and then read it back. And it can be about anything. Start easy. I think people feel like you don't have to. You don't have to start writing some like you know amazing book. You know, or you know, just put. Just start writing out your what you're feeling that day. Your thoughts, your feelings, how your morning went, and then just see where it takes you. And the more you do it, I think the easier it flows out of you. And I think if more people had an outlet like that, uh, how much better they would be able to handle their feelings and their emotions about things because I, sometimes they, like that's your like if you as a kid you can just like scream right and that like helps you <laughs> as adults we're not walking around just screaming so how can we health in a, in a healthy way get out some of these thoughts and feelings and i feel like writing things down uh is a really great way to do it because the conversations sometimes are hard to have especially if it's people that have passed away. How are we supposed to talk to them? Yeah, journaling. I mean, you're, we, I could nerd out on this all day. I've been journaling. Pat, Larry, the, the mentor I was talking about that gave me the John Maxwell CD, he also encouraged me to start journaling in 2004. Wow. And at the time, I was this like, 18-year-old kid. I'm like, journaling's for sissies. Like, right. that's just stupid. But I started, and he gave me a process for journaling. And, uh, man, I've been journaling for 20 – I'm going to geek out, but I've been journaling now for almost 20 years. Yeah. And every year at the end of the year, I do a year-end review. Which, And, again, I have an ebook on journaling and an ebook on year-end reviews if your listeners would be interested i'd be glad to sure, give it to you yeah, free. i'll get those from you and i'll share them in the in the show notes yeah yeah so i basically just i look through all my journals for the year and basically i come up with a summary report of each year of my life wow. and it's a beautiful thing so i have literally summaries of every single year the highs the lows the insights and uh and then every decade i do a decade review so anyway wow. that's a whole podcast in and of itself but right. uh, but if you've never journaled like chris just said Really, really easy. You don't have to have this complex system to start. Just start journaling what's in your heart, and you'd be shocked at what that'll do for you. Yeah, without question. Yeah, good advice. Great advice. A, a, a friend of mine, Craig Ballantyne, who's a, a, a perfect day formula guy. He's he's out there. He's a really terrific writer. Um, he talks about you know writing, just the power of putting a pen to a page, or, a page, or or your fingers on a keyboard, and then just letting those emotions and feelings come out. And it doesn't matter how much, but if you if you did it for five or ten minutes on a regular basis, I bet it would it could turn into something that really helped the healing, or it really helped you figure something out about yourself. Some people might be terrific with words or terrific writers, and they don't even realize it, right? But yeah, I I, I I've I don't. I don't think anyone's ever gotten in, gotten into journaling or or creating, you know, keeping a diary of some kind and regretted it. Um, it could just because I think it is such a, a healthy um, thing to do. So, uh, man, this is fantastic. But what are some of the best uh, places for people to go to support your efforts, things that you're doing, and, and to find out more about you and, of course, uh, your your podcast? So, social media, any anywhere we can direct our listeners. Yeah, I try to be everywhere. If you're looking for the podcast, I'd start there, the L3 Leadership Podcast. Or you just look up L3 Leadership, you can see what we're doing in the leadership space. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm active on every social media account. Uh, and then if you're interested, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, Light of Life, you can just look up Light of Life Rescue Mission. And 
you can learn everything there. But uh, yeah, I would love to add value to your life any way that I can. So if anything I mentioned uh, sparked an interest in you and you want to reach out, I'm an open book and available. So just reach out and be glad to help you. Yes, I hope I hope someone takes advantage of it. As Doug alluded to, so many people just don't ask. So many people right. just don't reach out and take action. And if you're the one who does, I promise you he will respond because we, we, are, we are waiting for those opportunities. But you'd be surprised how, how little those opportunities come. I've actually had people I've podcasted with who've given out their phone numbers because they said <laughs> probably no one will take advantage of this and call me. But wow. this is my actual phone number. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really it's surprising. Um, but uh, one last question, selfishly, the building that you guys are, is, is the building coming to completion? Cause you were talking about it in October and is, is it getting near, near completion? Yeah, we're in a two building relocation effort. Uh, it's been 25 years in the making. It's a $24 million capital campaign. Uh, phase one was building our new shelter. We built a, the 70 bed shelter that's been open now for almost two years. And then we're, uh, we broke ground on another building that we're renovating, uh, an old school right. that'll be home to all of our long-term programs. And yeah. that'll actually open uh, at the end of April this year is what it's wow. looking okay. like. So, so yeah, very excited about that. And uh, it's just going to be, it's going to position us to serve the homeless men, women, and children of our city literally for decades to come with yeah. uh, with dignity and worth. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, that's super exciting. I mean, you sh- I think you sh- showed some pictures or some video, or I, maybe it's maybe I saw it on social media. You were going through the building where the, the yeah. walls weren't quite up yet, and uh, you were show- showcasing some of it. And uh, that that's so great, and how exciting just to know what what that's going to be filled with people who need help uh, in yes. just a matter of months. So that's pretty darn awesome. I love it. Well, thank you, Doug, again, for making the time and for the work that you're doing and for the work you're doing on yourself um, and because we need more men like you in the world. And so we we just thank you for investing uh, in in yourself and believing in yourself and fighting through a very challenging, difficult season uh, because all those people that you were grieving – uh, I, I know they're smiling down on you because they're proud of, of the man you are and the work that you're doing, the father and the husband that you are. And um, it's great. In a, in, a, in a world that we're living in now where there's so much negativity out there and there's so much uh, controversy and all of these other things, it's, it's nice to be able to have conversations like this with people that are real movers and life changers. And uh, so we just so blessed to know you and to have you on the show. Thanks, Chris. And uh, man, it's just such a joy to become friends with you and follow your journey. And thank you for everything you do to add value to people's lives every week as well. And uh, yeah. look forward to a long-term friendship here. Yes, absolutely, Doug, for sure, man. And we're both we're both yes. big sports fans, so that's uh, <laughs> that, that's always a fun Let's connection Steelers, as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, go Steelers, man. Uh, so, and yeah, Mike Tomlin, I love one of my favorite coaches, uh, ever. And I, I can't say I've, I've been a Steeler fan, but I'm definitely a Tomlin fan. Cause I just think he's such an awesome leader of men. Um, so everyone, uh, another terrific conversation here on the strong by design podcast. Remember you are strong by design. Uh, you were created in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. Uh, you were created strong by design, but you have to then decide 
and make those decisions on a, on a daily basis, those choices that are all in front of us every day we wake up to live our life strong by design, right? So it's that, that two-part meaning in the title of our podcast. And we just are so thankful and so grateful for all of our amazing listeners. Please, at this time, figure out who you need to share this conversation with? Who can this help? Is there somebody that you know that's going through some difficulties, some challenges that needs to reflect a little bit, needs to grieve properly to be able to, to get over a hurt or a pain or a trauma? And uh, maybe this conversation can move them in the right direction. So we thank you so much. God bless you. And we'll talk with you next year, 2023, here on Strong by Design. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. Oh,